again, talking about love. Dick Foth with Stories from the Road here. This is how it reads in Eugene Peterson's paraphrase of a letter to a Greek city thousands of years ago. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut. Doesn't have a swelled head. Doesn't force itself on others. Isn't always me first. It's fascinating for me to be able to walk through this passage. Uh, not that it's comfortable, because I, I feel myself called out <laughs> as I go through these things. And today is not the least of those. Here we are, 1 Corinthians 13, 5. It says, love is not self-seeking. That's a fascinating uh, combination of words. Uh, last time we talked, it was love is not rude. That's how we speak to others. This time, we're talking about the who of my words and actions. That, that is, who are my words or actions focused on? I have a good friend by the name of Mel Johnson. He just turned 90 recently and as sharp as a tack. That's what I want to be. I want to be 90 and sharp as a tack. And he wrote a book that perfectly describes him in terms of how I know him. He's been a counselor for decades in walking with people through challenging times, helping them find the best in themselves and of themselves with the help of God himself. And uh, his little book is called Walk Softly, Ego Management in an Egocentric World. And I just want to introduce you to him by reading a few thoughts from his book. And by the way, you can pick this up on Amazon. There's this one section on page 41 that is entitled The Handsome Youth. And he talks about egotism. Uh, Mel talks about egotism here in a very focused way. A clear picture of egotism in its extreme form is seen by looking at an intriguing fable found in Greek mythology, Narcissus. A handsome youth was venturing through the forest when he came upon a clear pool of water shining like silver. Many of you know the story. The grass grew fresh around it and rock sheltered it from the sun. Fatigued with hunting, Hot and thirsty, he stooped down to drink and saw in the reflective water his image. At first he thought it was some beautiful water nymph living in the pool as he gazed with admiration at those bright eyes and glorious locks of hair. He realized it was his image and he fell in love with himself. He brought his lips near to kiss the gorgeous reflection. He plunged his arms in to embrace the beloved. It fled at the touch, but returned after the water calmed again, and he renewed his fascination. Narcissus could not pull himself away. He lost all thought of food or rest as he hovered over the water, gazed upon his likeness. He stared, he stayed, he could only marvel. The romance was all-consuming, and when he was about to die, Narcissus pined, Oh, marvelous boy, I loved you in vain. Farewell. So, Today, the word narcissism means love of self. Someone penned a humorous limerick about this myth. There once was a nymph named Narcissus who thought himself very delicious. 
So he stared like a fool at his face in a pool, and his folly today is still with us. The egotist, Mel says, perceives everything in relationship to the self. Egotists are known for distorting reality with exaggeration and lies. J.I. Packer, a theologian and author, must have been thinking of egotists when he used the phrase, man is resolutely kind to himself. In humor, James Dashner pens in the kill order, a book, oh, I'm good. Seriously, after all these years, you'd think I would stop amazing myself, but here I am still doing it. Indeed, me is the egotist's favorite topic of conversation. And he goes on, Mel goes on to say that he's conducted research for several years on the subject. And I've noticed how casual conversation often takes a one-sided direction when meeting people in various settings. And he talks about for 10 to 15 minutes, I listen to talk about other person's life and accomplishments. And you would think that then they would uh, engage to hear about their conversation partner's interests or life. But oftentimes it's not that way, or if it is, it's minimal before it circles back to itself. Have a friend in California, uh, now retired from being a college professor, uh, wonderful guy. He He's a specialist in communication. He's a Harley Davidson enthusiast, just a, a wonderful guy. And I haven't been with him for a long time. His name's Randy. But years back, he told me of his sister. He said she was really beautiful, and this is coming from her brother. And uh, so she ended up dating a lot. Now, dating if I can just interject this, in these modern times, is sort of considered a very casual meeting of two people who might or might not be seeing other people. The language used today by younger people for something more serious is called going out. And that refers to two people in a relationship where they're exclusive with each other and are not seeing anyone else. But dating is a more casual thing. And that's what Randy was speaking of when he was talking about his sister. And he said... That she found out something in going out with young men. They'd come to, to get her at her home, escort them down, escort her down to the car, open the car door. She would get in. They'd go around, get in the other side, drive off, and she ended up having a method, in terms of assessing how the evening was going to go. She would put her hand, her right hand, on the seat next to the door, away from the driver, and. When he began to talk, she would start counting on the fingers of her one hand how many I's and me's, how many times the young man would use I and me in the first 15 minutes. If it got up past 10, it was going to be a long night. We wouldn't be having this date again. <laughs> so if I take that self-centeredness that idea of self-centeredness and turn it on its head and hear the phrase again. Love is not self-seeking. It's not self-loving or self-admiring or self-adoring. Love is not self-seeking. That is, it doesn't seek 
that which does not belong to it, or to put it more specifically, is willing to give up for the sake of others even what he's entitled to. That's a fascinating thing. Love is willing to give up for the sake of others even what he is entitled to. My wife Ruth, when we have the grandchildren over and before that when the kids were younger, always insisted that when we had a meal, especially if it were a buffet kind of meal where you'd go through and get your food, that the children would go through first, that they would eat first at any celebrated gatherings, Thanksgiving or Christmas or Fourth of July. She'd always say, kids, go get your food first. And I asked her, I said, where did you get that? And she told me about her grandpa, George Harvey Presnell. That would be her mother's father. George Harvey Presnell was born in a tiny dot of a town in southern Indiana called um, Centerpoint, not far from Terre Haute in Clay County, Indiana. And when he was a little boy, uh, his dad died and he ended up with a stepfather. And that relationship was not good. That father was harsh. We don't know the particulars. So at about age eight or nine, he went across town to live with his grandparents. Now his grandparents had 12 children over a span of time. These houses, as you could appreciate back in the, in the late 1800s, uh, would not be very large. And so uh, at least some of the children would eat in the kitchen and they would eat last. And out of that experience, George Harvey Presnell always would insist that the children or grandchildren ate first. And so Ruth, when they went to the grandparents' house, a, a, a large farmhouse uh, in Modesto, California, out there where they had grapes and peaches back in the day because her dad, her grandpa was a peach farmer. She always loved going to the grandparents' house to be with them, but I think she also loved it because those children, and she was one of them, and grandchildren, got to eat first. Her grandmother always had several meats and lots of vegetables on the table because at a young age, when they were first married, she was maybe 17 or 18, would, would uh, cook for threshing crews where they had emigrated to up in the plains of Canada near Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. So Grandma Presnell always had lots of food on the table, but the children and the grandchildren got to eat first. That's what love looks like. Love is willing to give up for the sake of others even what he is entitled to. That's it for today. God bless. Catch you later. This is Dick Foth saying, I'll see you next time with stories from the road.